Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to the Are You Listening podcast, the podcast born of two friends trying to get each other to listen to records, and um, neither of us receptive to it, really, just maybe lied to each other that we listen sometimes so oh there was definitely lying going on so, so made the show in order for us to keep each other honest and to force each other to listen to records but i think it's helping both of us become more well-rounded i think it's helping both of us grow our it's crazy opinions on genres and people we may not have dove into before or at all yeah for sure <laughs> I am your co-host, Brandon. I'm here with my co-host, Scott. Scott. Hello. How are you today? Uh, good. I'm trying to settle into the new crib here. Working on it. Getting getting there. I love it. But it's a process, but we'll get there. Yeah. I'm hoping it's not too echoey. I'll, I'll find out when I edit, but I'm hoping it's not too echoey because there isn't a lot on the walls yet, which worries me, but hoping for the best. <laughs> Bit of anxiety with those blank walls going on. Yeah. I, and I mean, yeah. we, released a, we, we released a raw episode though, so you know. We don't. We definitely did. (laughs) All right. Well, Scott, we are here today to talk about a a band, a long time coming your way. A long time coming. Yeah. I believe it was one of the first ones you ever mentioned. It was. I mean, it wasn't Emery level, but it definitely was an early one. Definitely an early one. Yeah. We are here to talk about Paramore and Paramore's album, All We Know Is Falling. So I'm going to dig into some notes here, Scott. Oh, yeah. Paramore is an American rock band. From Franklin, Tennessee. Oh, didn't see that coming. Not at all. <laughs> Did, didn't see Tennessee in there at all. And we start off right off the bat with some like Haley Williams trivia, obviously. Of course, because she is the she's the yes. face of Paramore. Yeah, absolutely. In 2002, at age 13. Yeah. Vocalist Haley Williams moved from her hometown Meridian, Mississippi, to Franklin, Tennessee, where she met brothers Josh and Zach Faro at a weekly supplemental program for homeschool students. Oh, they're homeschool kids. Yes. And, and they brothers. Met, I, yes. Wow. <laughs> okay. We are in a different realm. <laughs> like, yeah. I know nothing about this at all. 
I do not either, but they met at a supplemental program because their parents obviously knew they needed to meet people. So, yeah, so, like, just a social gathering for our homeschool mm-hmm. kids. That's what it sounds like. To get like. together and be like, I can learn to talk to people. I mean, I don't think they talk like robots, but I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after arriving, Haley began taking vocal lessons with Brett Manning. Have you ever heard who of Brett Manning? Do you know who Brett Manning is? No idea. He is one of the most sought-after vocal coaches in the world, having worked with... Are you ready for this list? I'm I'm stoked to hear it. Hold your, your applause until I'm done, because this dude... Oh, no. He's making money. Let's say that. He's he's big he's big deal. David Archuleta, Dave Mustaine, Keith Urban, Leona Lewis, Luke Bryan, Miley Cyrus, Newfound Glory, and Taylor Swift. Holy shit. That's a yeah. wild list. <laughs> yes. That's crazy. My there's God. also a lot there's a lot more names on the list that I did not I'm recognize. Sure there are. Yeah, yeah. There might be some that you recognize, but I got I pulled the big ones right. that I knew. I'm going to, you're going to have to text me his name because I didn't write it down when he said it, but I want to, I want to look into it and see who else he's taught vocal lessons to. He's still people I didn't think would like Dave Mustaine taking vocal lessons is (laughs) a weird thing to me, but wow. Wild. There's a part of me that wonders if he took vocal lessons after the throat cancer. Oh, that, yeah, that could be. To maybe like get back and figure out like if what he can do now. Yeah, that, that... I I wonder if he's given vocal lessons to people that may have overused mm-hmm. their vocal cords like early on in the career, like Newfound Glory. I don't I don't see them. <laughs> I don't see Jordan searching out a vocal coach yeah. like when he's sixteen to do a punk rock band. I thought it was weird though that they had all these singular names and then just said Newfound Glory. That is weird. Maybe he, I mean, they do a lot of gang vocals, so maybe <laughs> maybe know, that man. was it. I don't know. Well, prior to forming Paramore, Williams and bassist Jeremy Davis, along with friend Kimmy Reed, took part in a funk cover band called The Factory. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Homeschool kids. F- playing funk. <laughs> Just playing funk. <laughs> in 2002. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, crazy. O two, probably an O two O three ish. Yes, right. Wow. The other members of what was soon to be Paramore had been quote edgy about the whole female thing of having Williams as a vocalist, but because they were good friends, she started writing for them. I can't blame them because I was that way in that time <laughs> period as well. I just like the I idea mean, that they were like, you know what? We don't really like you being like the vocalist, but you know, we're friends. So stay off to the side and write for us. And just write, just write some songs, write some <laughs> songs, shut up and get a pen. And here is where it get there's, there's, it's really interesting. And I don't, I don't okay. know how you're going to feel about this because it feels a little iffy at times, but oh, we'll, we'll see. Great. So Williams was originally signed to Atlantic Records as a solo artist in 2003. Whoa. The original plan for her was to turn her into a pop singer. Oh, okay. Williams resisted by saying she, quote, wanted to play alternative rock music with a band. What? That? That's wild. Yeah. Like turning down a deal to be like, I want to play with a band. Well, no, she had the deal. 
Like the deal was done, but she was just resisting what they wanted her to do. And she's like, this isn't what I want to do. I want to, I want to play with the band. They wanted to Britney Spears her. And she was like, nah. In an interview, the band's A&R at Atlantic, Steve Robertson said, quote, she wanted to make sure we didn't look at her as some straight to top 40 pop princess. She wanted to make sure that she and her band got a got a chance to show what they could do as a rock band writing their own songs. OK, I mean, that that's respectful. Yeah. And, in, especially in that opinion, and I think it's yeah, to be like <laughs> and at that time, you mm-hmm. got to think, I mean, what? Boy bands and solo female singers were going nuts in 99, 2000, early aughts, whatever. Mm-hmm. And for mm-hmm. a major label to get behind you and want to put you on that level. Mm-hmm. And for you to be like, I just want to play some guitar based fast music with a band. I don't want it to just be me is a wild thing for a young teenager to do. Right. A hundred percent. Wow. What a, what a, what a decision. Like I can't, I can't (laughs) fathom being put in that position and like making that like either way, like, like one way or another, like being a solo person or being in a band, like I can't, that's, that's crazy. That's a lot to put on someone that young. But you could probably attribute the youth to how easy it would have been for her to stick to her guns because she doesn't need the money for a family, for a life. Like she can go right. She could be about what she believes in more than an adult who needs the money or needs the deal. Like she. Right. And I get that. But like, just imagine the amount of media you were taking in at that time. Mm -hmm. I guess you you were probably around the same age as her. I I was like. I'm like two years. I'm like a two years younger than her. Oh shit! Okay, so yeah, man, we have completely different <laughs> views on this. This is where the age difference comes in. Yeah. I just like it. I just being inundated with all the with all the pop music and pop princess type stuff going on at the time. I can't imagine yeah. her trying to wrap her head around trying to take that on or refusing it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, is it, that's it's just wild. crazy. That's crazy. That's not, that's not even the craziest part of the story. Oh, no. Quick fun fact, though. Yeah. Their their original manager was Jeff Hansen, who was Creed's manager. <laughs> just a fun fact. Wow. All right. So the band officially formed as Josh Farrow, lead guitarist, backing vocals, Zach Farrow on drums, Davis on bass guitar, and Williams on lead vocals, with the later addition of Williams' neighbor, Jason Bynum, on rhythm guitar. Okay. So five piece. Yes. When Davis showed up, he was stunned to find out that the drummer was only 14 years old. Oh, wow. Really? He admitted, quote, I had very, very, very little faith in everyone in the band because of their age. I remember thinking this is not going to work because this kid is way too young. But that first day of practice was amazing. I knew we were onto something. Man, that's nuts. 14. Like you hear stories about bands not being able to get into clubs because they're too young yeah. to play. And 14. Like that's way too young. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you're not fooling anybody, kid. You're not getting in here. The most current one I think of about that is there was that metal band that started. They they were all like 16, the Black Tide. I don't know if you remember them. It was from like 
08 ish and they played that mm-hmm. free fest when Ozfest was free, but they weren't allowed to play the Jägermeister stage because it was Jägermeister. Oh wow. Right. So they put them on so the main stage. They should be on main stage. That's right. I yeah. do remember that. Yeah. I mean that's that's where your age works out for you. You fucking play the main stage because you can't right. play the the drunkard stage. <laughs> According to Williams, the name Paramore came from the maiden name of the mother of one of the first bass players. I don't know why it's so cryptic like that. I don't know Whoa. what that means. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. And then once the ba- once the group learned the meaning of the homophone Paramore, spelled P-A-R-A-M-O-U-R. Yeah, differently, yeah. It, me- it meant secret lover. Yeah. They decided to adopt the name with the Paramore spelling that they have, P-A-R-A-M-O-R-E. This is where it gets wild, Scott. This is this okay. is weird. This is, this is weird to me. And now I see why there was some pushback on them in their early times. And you, you, okay. I think you will understand why here. All right. Paramore was originally supposed to release their music on Atlantic Records, but the label's marketing department decided it would be better for their image if the band had not be attached to a major label. Yeah. So instead, they released their music on the niche label fueled by Ramen. I yeah. So the pushback is because they a hundred percent look like plants. One hundred percent, and yeah. that that might have had uh, a little more something to do with me not listening to them, mm-hmm. because I was a big fueled by ramen guy too. Because at that mm-hmm. time, what Fallout Boy had just came out with uh, the, the uh, take one? this to your grave. No, take this oh, to your okay. grave. Uh, the blue and black cover. Uh, and I loved that record. And then I think Panic at the Disco was on Fueled by Ramen, and they were their first record was completely different than the way they are now, really mm-hmm. in the vein of Fallout Boy. Uh, and I think Less Than Jake had something to do with Fueled by Ramen. I think Vinny ran it or something like that. I, I don't know. I I I may be completely wrong on that one, but I like my brain kind of took me down that road. But yeah, that. That kind of rings a bell. Like they were, yeah, major label, but went to Fueled by Ramen. For their image. And then, yeah, for the image. And then, like, the the female front person Mm -hmm. thing didn't help me at all. But, yes, yeah, I I slightly remember something about that. That's crazy. Paramore wrote their first song, Conspiracy. Oh, okay. That's the first song. And then we're touring the Southeast, usually driven by William's parents. <laughs> so, oh, man, that's crazy. So they're signed to a major label. They're yeah. being portrayed as being a minor label indie band. And they're right. touring by being driven Mommy around by, by Haley's parents. That's crazy. I, were they in like an RV? That'd be even I better. Hope so. I hope God, so. I really hope so. I really <laughs> hope so. The group traveled to Orlando, Florida to write and record the remainder of the album. A few days after arriving, Davis left the band citing personal reasons. Oh, okay. And I the, I haven't the, got more information. The same guy that was concerned about the 14-year-old drummer? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And being shuttled around by Haley's mom and dad. Yes. I, I can see that being it. A point of contention, having parents around all the time. But I can also see it from the parents' perspective now being like, there's a 14-year-old in this band. We are not allowing anything to happen. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the remaining members decided to continue with the album and base the album's theme around Davis's departure. Oh, okay. I, mm, in my notes, there's... Okay. Things might change in my opinions now. Having that revelation. Okay. According to Williams, the album's cover art also speaks of his departure. Quote, the couch with no one there and the shadow walking away. It's all about Jeremy leaving us and feeling like there was an empty space. Gotcha. That cover art I'm super familiar with. I feel like I saw it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then saw a few other bands with cover art that were similar. Similar at the same time. Yeah. In addition to Jeremy being like the theme of the record, there are also some songs written about her parents' divorce. Cause I guess her parents had a pretty, oh. pretty wicked divorce. So that's okay. Some of the theme in the album as well. Gotcha. All that, all that touring with a bunch of kids. <laughs> I guess so. Drove, a, guess drove so. a wedge in between them. Or they were driving her separately. Like dad took her to Arkansas and then mom took her to Georgia. You know what I mean? Oh, like, wow. We, yeah, I didn't think about that. The album recording process took three weeks. That's it. With Man. Josh Farrow citing the sessions as, quote, rushed. You don't say. Oh, no. Three weeks? <laughs> it was lovely and lazy. With time right. of our lives. We were hanging out, not doing nothing, eating some pizza, just... Slowly working on a record. Drinking some Cokes, chomping down on some Slim Jims. <laughs> I bet you there's a lot of recording processes that they don't even record anything in the first three weeks. Oh, but, oh yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> I kind of would push back against that with it being their first record. Because True. usually you have your songs all worked out and your yeah. first record, you're ready to get in there, get them down. Yeah, they had a whole 13, but, 14 years of life to do it, Scott. Come on. I know. But yeah, most most records you hear about, like, they're in there working out the songs, mm -hmm. like writing them and the whole process of it. I mean, yeah, that first three weeks has to be just like, well, we knocked out three tracks. What do we do? <laughs> what are we doing for the next seven? Right. Lucio Rubino. Then frontman of Story Side B. Do you know Story Side B at all? Because I don't. No idea. Mm -mm. They apparently were a big like Christian rock band. Okay. Yep. So nope. Lucino Rubino, then frontman of Story Side B, replaced Absent Davis in the studio and performed bass on every song except Here We Go Again. Oh wow. Okay. So this dude just came in and he's like, I guess I'll fucking play bass, whatever. Well, yeah, he didn't say fuck because he was he was praying he was Christian. for the Lord at that time. The Lord brought me here to play bass. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Before touring the record, the band added Josh Hembry to replace Davis. Okay. And then they played Warp Tour. And then after being asked by the band to return, Jeremy Davis returned to the band. Oh, wow. That's... So he left before the record. Didn't record. Left for the recording. Wasn't there for touring the record with... Well, they, they, he wasn't with them on Warp Tour. But yeah. then rejoined the band after the band. I was like, do you want to come back? And he said, and they, and he said wow. yeah. Wow. <laughs> he was like, I guess. All the songs are done. Wow, that's wild. So All We Know Is Falling was released July 26th, 2005. 2005. Man, I was 23. 
I was 15. Other albums released July 2005. There's got to be something in here for me, like big time. On this is 4th of July. On 4th of July, Scott. Okay. Missy Elliott put out The Cookbook. Now, not one of her giant records, but it is the one that had Lose Control on it. I know you would have heard that song. Music make I've... you lose control. Music make you lose control. I th- that like that rings a bell, but I don't like. I never listened to Mil- to Missy at yeah. all. Yeah, I know. so but you you would have yeah. heard that song in a supermarket if that's where we're going with this again. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's got to be where I heard it because like you singing that little spot mm-hmm. kind of rang a bell, but I I couldn't I couldn't add anything to that. Like that's all I remember yeah. of that song. That's fine. On July 5th, and you and I both listened to this record last year, I believe. Oh. Uh, Sufjan Stevens put out Illinois. Dude, uh, I think we listened to Michigan. We did listen to Michigan. My bad. Yeah. Yep. But, but um, I, it I, doesn't, doesn't make me want to listen to Illinois. <laughs> uh, I don't think I ever listened to Illinois either. Like, I listened to the one he came out with last year, and it didn't really do much for me. Uh, and we both listened to Michigan, and the only thing that held held me down for that one was because it was based on my home state. Uh, <laughs> Illinois yeah. is the big one though. That's the one that everybody talks about. Yeah. Yeah. It was a huge one on July 12th, Scott, mm. huge record for you. Okay. Friends of the show, essentially. Oh, the black Dahlia murder put out my asthma. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> love man. Uh, love that record. Love that band. I'm wearing their t-shirt right now. <laughs> it's it's wild i really am uh yeah yeah i love that band also on july 12th the adolescents put out oc confidential you know what's wild they are one of those like big name old school punk rock bands and i never listened to them it's weird because that's one of the ones that i got into yeah I've like there's never only listened to adolescents at all there's only a few of that wave, if you want to call it that, that I got into. Adolescence mm-hmm. are one. Would you consider the Vandals in that same wave? Because I got into the Vandals a bit. Oh, I'm huge. Or is that a little later? That's later, though. And okay. like in my my view. Okay. I thought you didn't listen to the Vandals because I was going to bring you a Vandals record. I said I listened to the compilation, I think. Is it Peace Through Vandalism? Is their compilation record? Okay. That's what I listened yeah. to, but I'd never listened to a full record, I don't think. Yeah. Unless. Peace through vandalism right. is a record. I think it's a I think it's an early an early one, and they're completely different styles of the vandals that I know. See, I, I love that uh Peace Through Vandalism record. Yeah. Is is that they have Anarchy Burger, right? Hold the government. Is that them? Is that the Vandals? Yeah. Oh yeah, love it. Uh, big, big yeah, Peace Through it's their debut EP, Peace Through Vandalism. Then that's why I listen. Is Anarchy Burger on it? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking it up. It was released in 82. <laughs> well, how did I get around to listening to that? And yeah, Anarchy Burger Hold the Government is the last track on that record. I probably liked their logo, which was like the broken gun to form the V. That's probably what happened. That was, yeah. The Vandals, the Vandals, uh, I know, was different. Okay. Well, you're obviously more than welcome to bring me a record since I've never listened to one. Yeah, I'm gonna bring you one that came out like 15 years later. Is the one I got into. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Also on July 12th, and 
for some reason, I feel like this is one that you either mentioned or told me you got into. Maybe not, though. Down okay. to Nothing's album, Splitting Headache. I don't even know Down to Nothing. Okay. they The album art really was reminiscent of like some Epitaph at the time. I don't think they were on Epitaph, but it's in that vein, if I recall correctly. That's kind of where they were. Maybe a little more hardcore, but I don't know. There was also a I'm Rufio record that came out. Did you listen to Rufio? I did. Damn it. I should have written the Rufio record down then. <laughs> oh, that does look like something I would have listened to, though. That, that See what I mean? I saw it. I was yeah. like, Scott definitely probably picked that thing up. Yeah. No, I never did. But now I want to. Yeah. Rufio, uh, I listened to, I think, their first two records. Okay. It may be that may have been one of them then, because probably I, I don't think they were out early, much earlier than 05. No, no. Coming out on July 18th. And I only got well, I listened to these guys back then, but not this record. I listened to this record a, a little more recently. Obituaries Frozen in Time. You, you ever obituary guy, Scott? Nope, never listened to them. I think you'd get down with obituary. I don't care enough to bring you an, a record for the show, but okay. know, we, ever, we ever get around to it. There's a couple of obituary records that are pretty damn good. Gotcha. July 19th, the Flatliners put out Destroy to Create. There we go. Yeah. Something you were into. In 05. Yep, for sure. Love it. And now I'm going to read all three of these July 26 records in a row because all three of these records were big for your boy right here. Okay. I want to hear it. And then this is also the same day the Paramore record came out. So this is four records for your boy. All three of these records out. plus Paramore came out on this day. Same day. So Got it. July 26th, Arch Enemy, Doomsday Machine. We covered it for the oh, show. Oh, yeah, we covered it. Good record. July 26th, Chiodos, All's Well That Ends Well. Amazing Love record. Love it. Super good. July 22nd. No, sorry. July 26th, Jeezy's Let's Get It, Thug Motivation 101. <laughs> I was waiting for the hip-hop, like... Drop all big for you, boy. That's awesome. all big for you, boy. I love all three yeah. of those records. You will probably get a Jeezy record at some point. Okay. I don't. I don't know if it'll be this one. I think this might be his best record, which oh, okay might be tough to say. But the one that I love the most is his like 08 record. I think it's called mm-hmm. the Recession, just because there. I mean, you probably heard a couple hits off it, but if there is a line in a record that says. My president is black and my Lambo is blue. We need to cover that. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's great. And I'll be goddamned if my rims ain't too. That man, <laughs> sick. GC is GC is a master of it. All right, Scott. So I got the I got the Billboard charts. You want the Hot 100 or you want the 200 first? Let's do the 200 first. So Billboard 200, week of July 30th, 2005. So this would be right after the, 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 this record came right out. Right after the record came out, yep. In order to only touch on the number one for factual sake, I'm going to say number six because I'm going to go six to four and then or six to two, and then we'll touch one really quick, and you'll know why when we get there. Okay. Number six, Move Along by the All-American Rejects. Man, what a great song. That's I a good think- record, too. At the at the time, I think it was a guilty pleasure record for me. Like I felt like Agreed. being twenty three and super punk rock, and I was in college. You know, I was yeah. supposed to be intellectual. That song's a fucking banger, though. <laughs> it's so good. The biggest problem with that record is the album cover. 
It's like them all standing there. It looks like yeah, a bad band, like super pot. It's it's rough. It's yeah. it's not anything like their first record, which was what the, the go kart, right? The rusty go kart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At number five, the Emancipation of Mimi, Mariah Carey. Okay, nope i don't I don't recall it at all. At number four, one of your favorites. You love them. Coldplay with X and Y. No, I did like, I I think Coldplay's second record, I think it's called The Scientist. Okay. I, I think that record is a masterpiece. Like I'm, I've I'm, never I'm listened at to a point, Coldplay record. I'm at a point in my life where I can say that that record <laughs> is phenomenal. Like musically, I think it's amazing. Man, that's a tough one. In in past episodes, we talked about what I w- what artist I would have trouble getting over opinions for. Coldplay might be one of them. Really, I kind yeah. I kind of want to add it to the list then because I mean, since that record came out, I have very strong opinions about Coldplay. I I don't like them at all anymore. <laughs> I think okay, I I think they're very bland and very vanilla. And they like to steal people's songs and play it off as their own. <laughs> but I really didn't like the single off their first record, Yellow. I thought that was a terrible track. I didn't listen to that record. But then their second record came out. And I think Fix You was the first single off that. And I got didn't intrigued. Know. And I bought the record and listened to it. Not the, I bought the CD and listened to it. Mm-hmm. It just blew me away. And at the time, I couldn't acknowledge it. Like, <laughs> so, like so you had Coldplay and All American Rejects playing back to back and not being able to tell anybody about it. Probably. If I'm being <laughs> honest, I probably did. And like the musicality of that Coldplay record was pretty phenomenal. At number three on the Billboard 200, I'm going to be honest, didn't know he sold like this. I didn't know he was he was selling like this. We have the album Wanted by the formerly Lil Bow Wow. Oh. Uh, I didn't know he was selling like that. I did not. I didn't know that either. And I never got into him at all. I have I listened to a recent Bow Wow record. Okay, recent mm-hmm. might be relative because it might be set six years old or something. And it wasn't awful. It was not awful. Okay. So maybe there's something to Bow Wow at some point that I missed because... I don't think I followed him after he dropped the Lil. I know I listened to the Lil Bow Wow just because it was everywhere. And then I don't think I followed after he dropped the Lil. Gotcha. Uh, just a note, the Coldplay thing, the scientist was the name of a song. Okay. Off of the record called a rush of blood to the head. That's I, I, I do know the record. I know that I know the album cover of that record. It came out in 2002. I've never, I've never listened to it. Yeah. I've never listened yeah. to it, but I know what it looks like. Like the half face. Yeah, with the white background. Yeah, yep. At number two and number one in my heart for this chart, at least. Okay, I I love this record. I love this dude, Slim Thug, already platinum, selling up yeah, to number, number two. Wow, Billboard two hundred, number two, Slim Thug. The South's going crazy, dude. That's wild. The South's going nuts. I guess. And then before I get into the longest, at number one, R. Kelly, TP three reloaded. Yeah. No. So the longest on this list at number 171, 104 two. weeks on the chart, 104 weeks, 104 so weeks. Two, two years, years. two years. Exactly. Yeah. M- Mud on the tires, Brad Paisley. 
Man. Uh, <laughs> apparently, 2005 is, was guilty pleasure guilty time pleasure. for your boy. Because, boy, was I into some Brad Paisley for a while. I don't hate that song. I'll tell you that. I really, really, really like him as a country artist. I think he's great. I think his guitar playing is fantastic. Um, and his his songwriting is has the ability to be wholly sincere and incredibly funny at the same time. I, he has some hits that I like, and I don't hate that song at all. I don't hate that yeah. song at all. And I didn't search that song out. That was brought to me during the time where I hated country and that one made it through. Mm. So that, Hey, there you go. Speaking of songs, let's move on to the billboard hot 100. Scott, what was blown up the it. charts week of July, 2005 at number five. Don't funk with my heart by the black eyed peas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at yeah. Number four. Don't you by the pussycat dolls. I remember that track. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like hot me? Like me. Don't yeah. you wish your girlfriend <laughs> was a freak like me? Like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of songs you know, at yeah. number three, Holla Back Girl, Gwen Stefani. Oh, man. The shit is bananas. B A N A N A S. The shit is bananas. B A N A N A S. One of the worst falls from grace for me <laughs> in music history that song is I, kind of a banger i hate it it's but kind of I, like that might have been because like i hated the direction she went in i already was kind of off no doubt because mm-hmm. i first listened to no doubt with their first record where it was just completely ska yeah. and really liked it of course then we go to tragic kingdom and all the hits were hits. They were amazing. Uh, the record as a whole, not a huge fan of. And then after that, like it, it kept getting more and more poppy. And then she went solo and I was just like, this is not for me. At number two, Ponder Replay from the Queen Rihanna. It's one of her, uh, one of her first big hits. I was going to say, it was one of her first hits, right? Like yeah. I, I don't remember it, but I, remember it being big and then number one on the billboard hall 100 we belong together mariah carey i don't you definitely if you heard the song i didn't do a great job at it if you you heard the song (laughs) you would you would know the song okay and then the longest at number 29 still 33 weeks on the chart big for a single kelly clarkson since you've been gone yeah man what a great song since you've been it's, gone, it's it's, it's a yeah. it's a power pop hit, man. That that shit it's fucking so goes. good. Yeah, it really does. So hard. Yeah, it's super good. All right, Scott. So we are finally to Paramore's "All We Know Is Falling." Ten tracks, yeah. thirty-five minutes, fifty-one seconds. Nice and tight. Nice and tight Great. record. Well, they only, only had three weeks, weeks to record it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in a in a in a rare turn, I mean. In 03, in 05, a 10 track record feels short. Uh, yeah, right around then we were like 12 was, I think, the norm. We were kicking out because CDs held more. That's That was the main thing. Like, yeah. C- be, it was 10 because that's what fit on a record before. But once we had CDs, right. it was like, I think we could throw 20 on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we're back down to 10. 
Yeah, and sometimes, but then again, I, I don't know. I listened to an EP that had twelve the other day, and then I listened to a record yeah, that that's, had like that's wild. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going it on. It also I, depends on genre because you're a Doom Boy now. You get those Doom Boy six. You get those six track records that run an hour twenty. Give me a four track record. Let's go. <laughs> don't don't quote me on that. Don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> uh, so Scott, before we get into this though. Yeah, uh, I know you would have had some preconceived notions about Paramore. Yeah, just right off top, when you started, were any of those confirmed or contradicted when you started this record? I get into it with the notes, but okay. we can just start then. We can just dive you, into the notes. You then. you backtracked me on those, so like my <laughs> preconceived notion was because like it it's a female led group, I automatically assumed the songs were all about breakups with boys. <laughs> and they were not. <laughs> and and it felt like they were some of them. Okay. Uh but I and I suppose it was a breakup with a boy. Just the basis of the band. Yeah, a band breakup. Yeah. In, instead of her breaking up with a a boyfriend. And if it means anything, I took some of these tracks as breakup tracks. Like there's a couple of these tracks yeah. that I listened to going through breakup and it was like, wow, yeah, these these hit. These hit right where I need them to hit. Let's do it. Yeah. So let's let's dive in. Track one, All We Know. All We Know. Kind of a crazy punch to the face straight away. It just Mm -hmm. goes from start. Mm -hmm. Uh, This definitely had a specific time that it could come out and be successful. The crunchy guitars, the little low-key musical break at the bridge, the super clean guitar solo before breaking into the chorus two more times to finish off the song. Yeah, I instantly know the time period this was released. It couldn't be released any other time than early thousands. Yes. And this is the song expressly written about Jeremy's departure and this, why they named the record. All we know is falling because okay. this was the, this was the song written about his departure specifically. Gotcha. That's all you got for yeah. all you know. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got. Yeah. It's just like, I, I, I was surprised by this, this being the start to the record and it just being so you're diving in head first. Yeah into the deep end like just straight to your face right there so moving on to track two pressure i think i might have heard this track before i think it was a hit i definitely remember the way i can feel the pressure is sung Mm -hmm. uh very very radio friendly and formulaic for the early thousands no real complaints about this track at all with these first two tracks i'm kind of struggling to find something in the lyrics to cling to though because i Assumed they were breakup songs about a boy. <laughs> There's also a big possibility that anytime the word pressure was brought up on here or anytime mm-hmm. Paramore was brought up that I would have sung pressure. And you may remember me singing it that way. There's a possibility. It has stuck <laughs> in my head since the first time I listened to the record. Anytime somebody says pressure, mm-hmm. I automatically it's getting closer now it's so crazy and then like but you know what that means that means that's a good pop hit i know and like (laughs) i'll just break into it middle of the day working (laughs) in a factory with with older middle-aged dudes just i can feel the pressure yeah it's crazy moving on to track three emergency Here's something for me to grab onto in the lyrics. It's an Are You Listening track. 
right? Uh, yeah, fantastic. I instantly love it. Musically, I'm 100% comfortable in this record. I'm at home in these distorted guitars with ringing clean plucking in the background. I find myself bopping around to this one as I was ta- as I was taking notes. Not a huge fan of the repetitive use of deserve to be alive, but I can look past that for the are you listening parts. Good shit. Yeah. The, how many records is this now that I've used in the intro that we've used? At least, two at least. Two, two Miley at least. And this. Miley and this one. Um, and I mean, you talk about Lincoln Park enough, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the repeated use of deserve to be alive. I feel like like you could have done something there. Alive isn't that hard to rhyme yeah, with. That's true. But in a three week crunch period recording session of teenagers of teenagers, <laughs> I can kind of give it more of a pass, I suppose. OK. So it's got to pass. You heard it. You heard it here first. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> moving on to track four, Brighter. Man, so many early thousands feels on this record. Nothing too profound going on lyrically here. Pretty straightforward breakup song, but I enjoy the sonics of this track. Sometimes I find myself wishing Haley would let her vocals run a little bit. She holds the same note too long sometimes. Yeah, and it's probably the she probably doesn't have the confidence in her voice yet. You know what I mean? Like I, she, she, yeah. she can do it, but she doesn't have confidence that she's doing it. Right. So a little bit behind the scenes on this. We listened to this record for two weeks because it was over <laughs> a vacation period. Over that course, this song really ended up hitting for me. Okay. Don't know why, okay. but like playing it while I'm working or playing yeah. it while I'm not like microscoping it and mm-hmm. like focusing on lyrics and everything this track re- like brighter really ended up hitting for me like i really ended up liking it a lot yeah i don't think this album blends itself much to microscoping but no it really does I, I i love it so much and like yeah. i said when i gave you the record it it's easier to start here and then if i see it we go to the next one rather than yeah. doing the next one and coming back so right I, I, it had to be done and for me the first man, these first four are heavy hitters for me. Like I love yeah, yeah. all four of these tracks. Bang, 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 bang. Like it's and like you said, you're jumping in and then you're just swimming, man. Like you're swimming yeah, you're for fucking four tracks. Yeah. And that's not saying anything negative about the other tracks. Like I, I love every track of this record. I I adore yeah. this record. I don't say it about a lot of records. This record to me is a 10. I love this record. Okay. That's how much sure. I love it. So let's go to track five. Here we go again. Wait a second. When did I start listening to a Maroon 5 record? When when did Maroon 5 come out? I have no idea, but this thing starts off with a crazy like dance groove and guitar line. It was nuts. Oh boy, Maroon 5 formed in 94. They started off as a different band. As Kara's Flowers. Yes. After hearing Levine play, Valentine noticed his affinity for Fish. What? The band? Yeah, and the two musicians bonded over the band. I've so never listened to Fish. Fish is the reason Maroon 5 exists? Oh, what? wow. That's insane. Man, just imagine. That's a fun fact I never needed to know. Just imagine all the mid-tracks we would miss out on if Fish never existed. <laughs> I like that first single from Maroon 5. <laughs> I can't deny that. 
That was a guilty pleasure yeah. for me. This love yeah. has taken its toll on me. She says goodbye, goodbye. more than it has before. All right. Yeah. All right. We're over Moon 5. Uh, very kind of rock dancey. The intro sounds a lot like that Finger 11 Paralyzer track. Uh, oh, I don't like that. I, I live for this type of mixture of oh. bat, yeah, faddish lyrics and like like sad kind of lyrics and peppy fun music. Wow, not where I expected you to go with that sentence. Yeah, they are really in touch with their pop sensibilities with this one. Mm-hmm. Do you know if this was a single? Um, I don't believe so. Because it could but, have been again, a pop smash. Again, to me, though, to me, the, the songs that I think are singles that were big on me may not be big singles. Yeah, this one um, could have been all over the radios if it came out on Atlantic instead of Fueled by Ramen. I think this track is a fucking banger. Um, there it says there were music videos for all of the the singles. Also, I just saw something. Renshaw was critical about the fact that quote Paramore are for the kids who think Pink is not cool enough, but My Chemical Romance are too scary, and they want That's to rebel, so but they have to be in bed by nine p.m. <laughs> that is almost like perfect. <laughs> like, that is almost That's pin a- perfect. <laughs> That's fucking wild. That's, That's a wild so funny phrase. because like just I'm trying to think of the demographic that would think a pink is not cool. B my chem is scary <laughs> yes. and have to be in bed by nine. Like that is exactly the person I think of. <laughs> well, let's just make it clear. I, I wasn't that person because I was no. listening to cannibal corpse at the same time. So, right. I get it. I, but I don't know so- how that hits me. <laughs> and let's get it straight. Pink was also all, always cool. Yeah, but uh, again, until we both of, agreed with each other, it was guilty. Like we we thought we were weren't doing something right. That's kind of true. <laughs> we thought like we shouldn't like Pink because she did. <laughs> yeah. She was that super pop, but she did have that edge, and that she had the edge. Like <laughs> from you two? <laughs> oh no. Maybe, maybe, if, what if Pink would have come out on a smaller label? But no, because those a, are huge pop songs. Yeah, you if can. she had a band, it'd be different. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, if she had a band, you would get trouble all over again. You would get rancid Pink. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. So moving on to the next track, Never Let This Go. I can see exactly why I definitely would not have gotten into Paramore at the time this dropped. Musically, it's great. I really have, would have been into everything they do here as far as the instrumentation. The problem would have come with me trying to relate to what Haley is singing about okay. and seeing it from her perspective. Okay. However, I think I'm able to see past that part of me and begin to let myself enjoy this now. Okay. So that's my backhanded way of saying I liked this track. Do you think if I would have brought this to you in our first year doing the show, you would have been at that point? Do you think I you don't think I would have been there. I don't think okay. I would have been there for it. I think all I'm doing is pat myself on the back for my timing on all these because I've been hitting them. <laughs> you really have. It's it is. <laughs> you're like a surgeon with the way you've been getting these to me. It's it's <laughs> yes. wild. So moving on to track seven. Whoa. 
This track reminds me so much of If It Means A Lot To You by A Day To Remember. That one where I think it's the end of Homesick. I think it's the the closing track on Homesick where he's talking about getting the crowd to sing back to him. And it was, whoa. Yeah. Not a bad song at all. It just makes me wish that A Day To Remember would have gotten Haley to be the female vocalist on that track. Yeah, that'd be wild. I bet you that happened at some point, right? Because, you know, they... Like they if they toured together? Toured together. Yeah. Yeah, they would have had to. That would have been sweet. I just saw a video recently of Knocked Loose has a feature on one of their tracks by, is it Emma Booster from My Dying Wish or from Dying mm-hmm. Wish? Okay. And they're they're currently on tour or it was at a festival. And because Dying Wish wasn't there, they brought out uh, Courtney LaPlante from Spirit Box to scream oh, wow. that part. And it got me so hyped up. I was fucking stoked. I will watch it every day. I loved it. And I think, I think Emma is one of the best female vocalists currently, but there was Mm. just, there's just something about Courtney's energy that gets me. I don't know why. I don't know why, but she gets me. Yeah. I I didn't like that record though. That spirit box record. I, it might've just been overhyped for me. I could, I could maybe go back Mm -hmm. in a year or two and re-listen to it and get a different opinion, but Man, that thing was hyped up. They put that EP out last year, if you recall, and I told you this is what I want Spirit Box to be all the time because it was just oh, yeah. a lot, a lot of heavy, a lot. I don't of think I listened to it because I still had that preconceived notion about her or them. And I guess I'll pull the curtain back on my list for you a little bit. I am previously familiar with Courtney from a much different band. Mm. And it was essentially a deathcore band. So oh, like, okay. I have I have different opinions of Courtney from past other projects that she's done that I would want more of. And then when Spirit okay. Box only gives me half that because Courtney does have a beautiful singing voice. Also, it's just mm-hmm. I, I don't need it. <laughs> right. Gotcha. So let's move on to track eight. Remember their first song they ever wrote yeah. Conspiracy. A nice slow down pace for the intro. Good tempo change. I think the record needed it at this point. I like this one a lot. It's a little more introspective as opposed to being just a straight up breakup track. And Haley goes off a little bit there at the end. I like it. I like it when she lets her voice go. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's like, if she went to this vocal coach, (laughs) I feel like he could have pushed her a little bit more to like, just do more with her voice. Like, I, I mean, you can teach it, but until you have that, that confidence in it, you're not going to yeah, get it though. Right. I can see where she goes from this Haley to the only song I know from Paramore, which what, the business, misery, of misery. Business. misery yeah. business. Yeah. And she goes off on that one at points. <laughs> yes. And, yes, uh, she does. Yeah. Yeah, Which, by the way, is, is their next record. That was the choice. It was up between that one or this one. Oh, it was between this one or the one with Misery Business mm-hmm. on it. Okay. Which is their next record. I would have at least known that song. Yeah, I know. But again, yeah. we couldn't have went back. We Because we, once you hear that record, coming back to this one feels much different, too. Sure. Yeah, I get it. Well, because that growth from this track, like, mm-hmm. I'm basing it just off that one track. I haven't listened to any other tracks. Yes. Um, at least that I know of. But basing it off of the the growth they had from this record to Misery Business is, like, big. 
Yeah, uh, like I agree. just in her, just in her vocals, even. Yeah, I so, agree, and yeah. I, I love both records. And it always feels weird to me when I say a band's first record is my favorite because it feels like I diminish the rest of their discography. Sure, but this is the first one I heard also. So that usually yeah. the first you hear by a band is going to be yep. your favorite. Oh yeah. So, usually. Yep. That's just where I'm at. Yeah. Moving on to it. track, track nine. And I'm going to be honest until I did the notes and learned they were from Franklin, Tennessee. There is a part of me that thought this was about Benjamin Franklin for the past 20 years, <laughs> nine, 18 okay. years, basically. Gotcha. Franklin track nine. Yeah. Uh, the male background vocalist kind of reminds me of Dallas Green, the clean singer from Alexis on Fire and the guy who did City in Color. This is a super solid track. It kind of reminds me of a band I'm still planning on bringing to you called The Forecast. Okay, never heard Good of it. stuff. Yeah, I know you haven't. Uh, and I back-to-backed this record and their first record. And man, did it flow really great, really great together. DJ DJ Staplehead back in the building. Killing it. Killing it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good track. Let's move on to the closer. Track 10, My Heart. Strong, strong closer vibes off this track. I mm. couldn't see it anywhere else in the track list. I also couldn't see any other track taking this spot over it. Mm-hmm. I really love when Haley goes up in her vocal range and manages to keep it soft. Yeah. Um, makes it feel really delicate. That's a, that's a great way to put it. I agree. Yeah. I also really dig that moment of background screaming at the end. It's a mm-hmm. fucking chef's kiss on this record. As much as I love every track on this record and especially, I mean like the big ones, I think my heart is my favorite Paramore song. My I, number one track. It's my number one if, track. If it's for nothing else than like my heart beats for you is such a yes, it's such a teenage line. Yeah. But holy fuck does it hit me, man. Like it it yeah. hits me hard and I love it. Oh yeah. All right. Well, yeah. You mentioned you mentioned top three then. So that's your number one. What's your other two? Yeah. Emergency is number two. Wow. I okay, I'd probably that's out there for me too. Yeah. Uh here we go again is my number three. Okay. I, I like here I, we go again. Over the course, brighter became my number four. Yeah, I am in your situation where I have trouble choosing. It's I mean, hard. my heart's my yeah. favorite Paramore song, but Pressure, Emergency, All We Know, Conspiracy, Woe. Like, I love every song off this record. It's hard for yeah. me to put anything in there, but I would not disagree with any of your top records or top tracks. So I guess I got to ask the question now, Scott. Paramore, All We Know is Falling. Throne, Own, Phone, or Grown? In my notes here, I have like a paragraph written for my answer to this question. I'll sit back if you want to go ahead and read it. Between own and phone. Closer to own might change over the course of the week. I just wish there was more variation in subject matter. This is why I always found it hard to get into female singers. I can never relate to what they're singing about. Like, I get heartbreak. It happened to me enough but I can't come to grips with it from her perspective. However, being older, I can see it from a different angle and appreciate the music and her voice and admit that this is a really good record. Now that's what I wrote Mm -hmm. after the first time of hearing this record over the course of two weeks. And after hearing your notes 
about these aren't all breakup songs, dumbass. Get over yourself and open yourself up to different subjects and things being metaphors for other things. This is a strong own for me. Strong own. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Good shit. I don't know if I'm going to plan on searching it out, but if I ever see it out in the wild at a shop, Mm -hmm. I will have no qualms about picking it up and buying it. I don't know that there's a price limit for me. Okay. But I can't imagine it being too expensive anyway. It was hard to find for a while. They repressed it uh, last year. I was going to say it being a ramen. ramen, Yeah. I imagine it's probably part of that re-release. It was. uh, And that's when I got probably like 25 bucks. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, 25, 30 bucks. It was something like that. And that's when I got it because I was searching it out before yeah. and there was there was only a few copies out there and they were pricey. And I just were they? I, I, I even was thinking I was like, this, there, it has to be repressed. There's no way a yeah. band as big as Paramore is not going to have this record repressed. Yeah. And then eventually they did and I got it and I'm very happy to own it. Yeah, I will be if I find it because these songs, man. They're just really, really good. And they're really of the time. Mm -hmm. And me being, me having it shoved in my face that it's not all about breakups uh, (laughs) really pushes it to that point of me wanting to pick it up. Like, stop being a dumbass, dumbass. I thought some of the sounds of the time would help you with this record. Oh, for sure. And... I I adore this record. So it's hard it's hard for me to see a negative in it. Even when I try to look at it from your side, I it's I love it so much that it's hard for me to go, well, so, but I'm I'm glad we hit a, a strong out. I'm happy. I yeah. would have been happy with a phone because I mean, a year ago in the show, maybe longer, it a phone would have been a crowning achievement for me. But to have yeah. you <laughs> at a strong own, that's an achievement for you at this point. So yeah. I'm happy we're there. I have, uh, during the course of the show, I've noticed myself, not just in the records you bring me, but in the records that I get into outside of the show, I've noticed me opening up more. If you remember in our our Records of the Year episode we did, I had a a, a new rock band record that in the past I never would have touched, the Dury record. Mm-hmm. That thing was so dancey. Yeah, it's... it definitely was. Because I listened yeah, to it, it after was... the fact, and I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I I just got it on vinyl. Okay. Like it, it, like I pre-ordered it. It came, uh, and there's mm-hmm. no way before doing the show mm-hmm. I would have been into that dancey stuff. Like, and me having "Here We Go Again" as one of my top three songs <laughs> off this record after saying that it reminded me of Maroon 5 yes. never would have happened, right? Yeah. It is crazy how much I've not only opened to having female singers and and a female rapper on my records of the year last year. Uh, there's no way that would have happened without this happening, without this show happening. So, uh, yeah, I First off, I want to pat myself on the back for opening up Absolutely. as a music listener. And secondly, Absolutely. I want to thank you yeah, to opening you. me. Yeah, you you yeah. deserve the you deserve the shine and the flowers for that because there's no way I would have I would have listened to anything like this mm-hmm. and enjoyed it as much as I have without the show. So 
Uh, thank you. Well, a thing you said, I think this is where we both have improved, where you said you made here, here, here we go again as one of your favorite tracks after mm-hmm. noticing that it reminded you of Maroon 5. In the yeah. past, especially when we started the show, the moment that we recognized that, we would be shut off. We would be like, oh, this reminds me of Maroon yeah. 5, I'm done. Done. And now yeah. we've, it off. we've made it so we recognize it, but then we not only move past it, we try to figure out why it reminds us of Maroon 5 and mm-hmm. what about it what about it makes us like it more than the negatives of Maroon 5 that we see? Like, right. Isn't that crazy? We, like, I feel like take, I should go listen to a Maroon 5 record, and I'd probably yeah. appreciate it now. Yeah. Like, I, I yes. hated them for so long that I feel like I mm-hmm. could go back and listen to something and be like, God, man, did you hear the funk guitars on this thing? Oh, my God, they're so clean. <laughs> did you hear the weird jazz fills he's doing in there? Like, what's going on? <laughs> real (laughs) but but yeah i'm I'm glad and i'm at the same point there's a lot of things that i can even if i don't like it i can enjoy it while i'm listening that i would have never even had given that opportunity to pro oh yeah like like i'll listen to something and be like oh i don't like this but i can listen to this and enjoy it while i'm listening which is a huge step in the right direction for anybody who listens to music at all for sure yeah but scott this isn't all you're listening to this week what's your record of the week no, I, I I already pulled the curtain back, said we listened to this for two weeks, so I have two records. Um, okay. The first one is, is an older record. It came in, out in 1984. Uh, listened to it for like the first time this last week. It's called. It's from a band called Die Cruisin'. Um, okay. It's a self-titled record. It is, it's a hardcore punk record. 21 tracks with a runtime of 29 minutes. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> like, a good one. Only only two tracks are over two minutes, uh, and and it was recorded in Detroit. So uh, oh, that's that's like tripling up for you. Yeah, it's it's awesome, but it, it goes super hard. It's super quick. Um, really enjoyed it, liked it a lot. So that was my old record of the my my old record of the week. My new record of the week just came out this year, so it's still early in the year, but it is from a band called at the plates and the record is called omnivore and they are a death metal with a little hint of black metal band that write their songs solely based on food puns and i loved it how closely related to the psycho stick sandwich record is it no it it's it's not like that like it's, it's not comedy forward, it's the music no. forward with comedy. Yes. And okay. like it being death metal, black metal, you don't catch every lyric, right? Like mm-hmm. even with our ear that our ears that have been I don't want to say finely tuned, but that have been tuned to that type of vocal, mm-hmm. you don't pick up every single word. But when you're listening to this type of music and you catch a line about cholesterol, you instantly get the giggles. And man, did it hit for me. I was at work and listened to it. And man, it just, it had me in a good mood. It, it had me in a good mood. And I I loved it. It's weird because it's the first month of the year. Mm-hmm. 
but boy, is it a strong contender of album of the year this for this yeah, year yeah. for twenty twenty four. Long, long way to go with that, but I know. More, but more I power. see myself. More power to you. I see myself revisiting it a lot this year. For anybody out there who who maybe might care, great band, great record. I I really really love it. Mine is the two thousand one record Mafia Moves by the rapper producer Selsky, C E L L S K I. Okay. Um, liked it a lot. Kind of, he's a San Francisco guy, but I just, on the cover of this record, Scott, it has mm. a list of the featurings, and I need to read you some of these names. There's one feature name that uh-huh. I don't understand. Well, I didn't understand at first. I looked into it and I, I get why his name's this, but let me, let me read you through these names here. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cough Nut Gucci. Oh, Jesus but Gucci, Gucci is G U C E, so it might be Gooch or Goose. Might be Gooch. Uh, no, it's got to be Gooch. If it's Cough Nut, it's got to be Cough Nut Gooch. Uh, Bald Head Rick Big Mac. Oh <laughs> Seth the Gaffla. Seth the Gaffla. Okay. Big Bread Ed. Oh my God. Little Big. Little Big. Uh, Kill a Cam, which I assume is Cameron, unless there's another Kill a Cam, because Cameron was Kill a Cam initially, but I. Don't know. I w- and then I would think that, but then hearing all these other names, yeah. I feel like it has to be somebody smaller than Cameron. Yeah. And then here is um well I'm just gonna say it, Dookie Water. <laughs> oh no. Yep. Duke Dookie no. Water is his name. Yep. Man, yep, can you go the- can you imagine <laughs> going around calling yourself Dookie Water? I looked it up and it looks like Dookie Water may be like a Houston slang for a certain drink. I don't care. (laughs) You can't be serious about that. It's an alcoholic beverage. Oh, no, it's it's from Tucson. An alcoholic beverage originated in Tucson, Arizona, that consists of gin, grapefruit juice, and saladitos. It's a Mexican candy. Saladitos? S-A-L-A-D-I-T-O-S. So, like, like, there's a reasoning for it happening, but the fact that you called yourself Dookie Water feels wild. Yeah, yeah, that's... That's that's not okay. All right. Well, we did it, Scott. Covered Paramore yeah. successfully. Um, we did. Once, maybe, maybe you get that second album sometime. We'll see what goes on. See how we work. Uh, if it doesn't come soon, I'd like to give like you to give me the okay to go ahead and listen to it because I really want to listen to it from based off of that record. I think and we should cover single. It. I, okay. I think we should cover it. I can't guarantee it's coming soon. Okay. <laughs> I just but want you to be- know that that I'm slightly passionate about it now okay so i should pick up on that passion and run with the passion instead of letting it die down i'm just letting you know okay well um next week scott all that's left if you tell me what we're doing next week what's up next week all right. next week we're continuing scott uary uh the the season going with another foundational band uh we've covered the moral foundation with h2o mm-hmm We've covered the poppy emo foundations of Scott. With... Oh no! I oh, am I getting a singer songwriter? It feels like I'm getting no, a singer no, no. songwriter. Okay. No, we've kind of covered that. I think with no use for a name and Descendants okay. doing the draft. We're going to cover a different 
kind of cornerstone of the foundation of Scott. We're going to go with Pennywise. The record is about time. Okay. And I'm familiar with Pennywise, but I don't think I've listened to a whole record, maybe. But definitely, again, um, comps, obviously. Definitely heard Pennywise. We're we're all about the same time period. Mm -hmm. Uh, In these these three records and really the descendants record that started me out on the descendants. So it's about the same time, about the same genre, just different kind of viewpoints from those genres. But yeah, like late nineties, Scott was severely into these bands and getting Mm -hmm. my views on the world from these bands. Okay. And I had I had friends that were huge fans of Pennywise. So I may oh, have heard yeah. some of these in passing in a car. I don't know. Sure. But to sit down and listen. So it's the Pennywise album about time. Yep. So next week, Pennywise about time. Yeah. Listen to that. Follow us on Twitter or X at AOLPod. Follow us on Instagram at AOLPod. Send us an email at areyoulistening.pod at gmo.com. Join the Facebook group. Link will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Listen to something new. Listen to something you love. Yeah. Homework. Scott, thank you for the episode. Thank you for the podcast. Thank you for the friendship. Thank you, brother. Love you, man. Pennywise. I love you too. Pennywise, about time next week. Yeah. Are you listening? Are you listening? DJ DJ Staplehead back in the building. The Lord brought me here to play bass. All I'm doing is patting myself on the back for my timing on all these because I've been hitting them. Formation of Maroon 501. So, yeah, those planes hit the towers and then Maroon 5. <laughs>